So this morning, as we begin this march toward Christmas that we call Advent, we start with this topic of hope. We're going to look just for a few minutes at the biblical view of hope, what hope really is from the scriptures, what it's not, how you can get it, and how you can share it. And if you asked me, who has the most hope in the church? I might say my friend Don Rogers. This is Don Rogers. We call him Pops, but his Roger girls call him Granddad. He's one of the Papas in our congregation. And I'm glad to be called pastor by him and sometimes son. In July, Don fell ill and was hospitalized. Took some time before they discerned that he had West Nile virus. He also had a stroke in the hospital and that virus went after his brain, leaving him severely disabled. We prayed and prayed every single day, I know I did, for him to be healed. And Don received perfect healing this last week on Monday when he slipped from this life to the next. Surrounded by his wife Jane, his boys Don and Ryan and Heather, And as we sang by his bedside, he opened his eyes for the first time in like three days. And he looked into the eyes of those who love him. And I could see like he was trying to mouth some words. And I believe that the last thing he saw on this earth were some of the people, some of his family that he loves most as he begins to see Jesus for we believe that those of us who follow Jesus, if we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. And it was a beautiful moment, and it was a terrible moment, and it was a holy moment, and it was filled with God's presence. So we don't know exactly when we're going to do the memorial service. We think it's going to be maybe mid to late December. And it is really painful to lose one of the fathers in your house. Don would often quote this verse to me. Psalm 25, 3. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. And if I had a dollar for every time he said, there's no shame in the name of Jesus. There's no shame in the name of Jesus, Andrew. You're right. And he'd say to me, this life is like a cup of coffee. Before you know it, you're going to be with Jesus, so you better make sure you're ready. I know I'm ready. He had the most hope. Don knew that Jesus was preparing a table for him to eat, because eating is one of his favorite pastimes, including coffee and donuts. 
But he also knew that Jesus had been preparing a place for him. How do I know that? Because Jesus said in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. For in my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So for those of us who follow Jesus, we grieve, and we grieve because we love, and grieving is just an extension of loving. We make no apology for our tears, for there is a sacredness and a power in our tears. They speak more than a thousand tongues. They speak of love that cannot be put into words. But Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. You see, I have great hope, and it is well-placed hope that I will see dawn again in heaven. We will eat double-doubles from heaven's in and out. Because that's what we love to do together. We would go to the Costco cafe, but eh, I think probably we'll just stick with it, in and out. The two places where Don and I went most. We'll worship Jesus together with our hands lifted up. Now he's a part of the great cloud of witnesses cheering for us. He's been reunited with his mother who passed away last year. Don's hope was found in the person of Jesus Christ. Not in the money that he made, although he was a brilliant business person. Not in the beautiful family that he loved, although he loved his family. Not in the church that he was a part of, though he loved being here praying down front, and we will miss him. You see, for Don, hope was not some optimistic wishing or hoping that something would happen. It was grounded in the experience with a person named Jesus Christ. And if you met Don on the street, whether you were from Neighborhood Church or you were someone who lived on the street, he'd say, how's your walk with Jesus? Unabashedly sharing Jesus with everyone that came in contact with him. Was he nuanced? Nope. But did Jesus use him? Oh my goodness. So this morning, I am a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. <laughs> but I grieve with one who has incredible hope. Hope that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Hope that he didn't just come for someone else, but he came for you and came for me, that we would be able to have hope. And so it was important for me to share this news with you. It was important for us as a family to honor one of the fathers, and we will do more. But we're gonna transition and just look at what the Bible has to say about this virtue more than a feeling Something that is very powerful from God's word. So while I collect myself, we'll let the Bible Project guys remind you of the biblical words for hope 
and what the context is from God's Word. So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavas for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kava and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kava for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kava for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see, in any situation, how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kava for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope. And they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope that people can be reborn to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory. In both cases, this elpis is based on a person, the risen Jesus who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold. 
waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. Those guys do a great job putting a lot into a very short time. And there's something about cartoons that just help you. They help me. Psalm 62, verse 5, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. In quoting Isaiah 42, Matthew writing about Jesus, says in Matthew 12, 21, in his name the nations will put their hope. So first point this morning about hope, hope is not about wishing or optimism. It, it really comes down to the object of your hope. For us, that's the person of Jesus. So if you Google hope, you can read all sorts of wonderful quotes about how hope is about Light in the darkness and the light at the end of the tunnel and hope is dreaming while you're awake. Those are all good things to say. I even saw the really cute alliteration for hope, H-O-P-E. Hold on, pain ends. Those are all really cute. They're nice. But none of them can be complete for us as Jesus followers without Jesus being the source of our hope. The reason for our hope. Otherwise, we're not hoping, we're wishing, or we're dreaming. Which are good things too, but they're different than hope. Now, as I was thinking about hope all week this week, I was asking the question, how do hope and faith relate to each other? How do hope and faith relate to each other? I'm not sure if I've fully figured it out, but let me tell you, Kind of what I'm seeing from God's word as I was just rummaging. Can you rummage through God's word? I was rummaging. I was searching. I was uh, scanning. I was looking. And one of the places I landed was Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is a, a section about faith. And so, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So you see hope as kind of defining, as relating to faith here. I think I would see it this way. Hope relates to how we view our future, what's coming up. I'm hoping for great things in 2022, right? What we believe God would do in the future is our hope. But now you see this in Jeremiah 29, 11. This is the coffee mug verse, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. There's that hope and future connected, right? By the way, for those of you who freak out that this is in the Old Testament and somehow this wasn't written to us and therefore it's not for us, do you know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever and that Malachi says, I, the Lord, do not change? So it's okay. You can 
You can believe that God still has a hope and a future for you, even though you're not an ancient Israel. Now that I set that straight. So hope relates to how we think about the future, what we believe God's going to do. I think faith is about this present moment. And what we're, faith is really not what you know, it's what you're relying on. I'm relying on this stage that it's going to keep me from falling into the old orchestra pit that's behind, that's below it. I'm fully putting my trust in this stage. In the same way, faith is to rely on or fully put your faith or trust in something. In this case, we put our trust in Jesus. We're betting our lives that Jesus is who he says he is. So faith is about the present Relying on Jesus in this moment. And I believe hope springs from properly placed faith in Jesus in the moment for your future. And biblical hope is determined by rightly understanding what's true about God. Because it'd be easy for you to believe false things about who God is and then you would have a false hope. Do you see that? So what's true about God? Well, I could make a list. I could be here for all day. God is faithful. He is just. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not disappointed with you. In fact, he has great compassion for where you're struggling. God's got a plan for your life to have a meaning and a purpose. God answers your prayers. God provides for what you need. He forgives your sins. He will heal your heart and he'll heal your body. He will do what he says he will do. And he will not change. This is a few things that came to my mind. I jotted them down. So what can we hope for? We can hope and put our faith in the fact that Jesus and the present will be present with us no matter what. He will guide us and he'll help us. We can have hope in that Jesus will give us comfort and strength no matter what. He's going to help us find meaning and purpose. He's going to bring justice to this world. He said that. Jesus will ultimately take us home as Jesus followers one day to be with him. And Jesus will take away all pain and all suffering when we are finally healed with him in heaven. We know that we can put our hope in those things. We could take that to the bank. What can you not hope for? I would say don't hope for things, everything to be pain-free. Anybody who tells you that is trying to sell you something. You can't hope for things to be easy because we're not promised an easy life. In fact, if you follow Jesus, Jesus says, this will be difficult for you. You will be persecuted for the sake of my sake. You can't hope for all your dreams to come true because in this life, there are many struggles. But Jesus came and he overcame the world. You can't hope for all of your enemies to suffer right now for harming you and get retribution right now. You can trust that God is just and he will follow through. And you can't hope for having everything you want because Jesus never promised us that he's gonna give us everything we want. He said, I will provide every need for you in Christ Jesus. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Even in your weakest areas, I'm gonna come through. There's this little verse in Proverbs that oftentimes gets quoted. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I believe when we put our trust in things that are not Jesus, we oftentimes, our hope is deferred. I think when we 
put our hope in aspects of who he is, who he's, it's not true, it's not re- grounded in the truth of who Jesus is, our hope gets deferred. Now, is this life full of waiting and, and waiting for God to come through? Absolutely. I believe that's where God shapes us in the waiting room is where he oftentimes shapes us the most. But being rightly aligned and informed by God's word, this faith in the moment then springs you forward to believing and hoping in a biblical way. And hope comes from God. Our trusting God. So, point number two. Hope comes as we mature in our walk with Jesus. Where do I find this? Glad you asked. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. This is what this talks about. It talks about suffering. We also rejoice in our sufferings, Paul says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he gave us. Good news. This means your pain has a purpose. This means when you have, you are suffering, you are growing. And when you submit yourself to the will of the Holy Spirit and you grow in your character, that character and that perseverance then gives birth to what? Hope. You're rightly aligned, understanding who God is. And as you grow and mature, your hope level will rise. This is why I assume my friends with the most gray hair, by the way, I got a lot of gray hair coming in. Woo-hoo, I've earned every single one of those. My friends with the most gray hair oftentimes have the most hope. Now, so as we grow, I believe that our hope grows. Ultimately, but hope comes from God. That's what this verse says. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. That's the word for faith, by the way, pistuo. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't want to overflow with hope? Right? And where does that come from? Trusting him. Do you see that in this verse right here? In this, I just keep seeing this picture. I'm going, yep. I'm just seeing this picture of like, as we put our roots down in trusting God more and more and more, he just births this hope that springs forward. Like a flying squirrel jumping out of the tree of our life. Unafraid, right? Because oftentimes, hope and fear are on opposite ends, right? Why? Because faith and fear are on opposite ends. So, can you borrow hope from others? I've offered many of you, you could borrow my hope. You can borrow my faith. Have you ever heard me say that before? And I totally mean it. And sometimes I need to borrow yours. In days like this, I need to borrow yours. So when others walk in deep faith around us, when you surround yourself with people that are believing God for great things, 
praying for wild and crazy, bigger than life things. Why? Because Jesus wants you to pray prayers that you can't do on your own. God-sized versions, right? So that only he could come through and he could show that he's who he says he is. When you surround yourself with others with great faith, your hope will grow. So third point, hope is essential for good leadership. There are many who have said this. He who has the most hope will have the most influence. If leadership is influence, then hope is essential. Napoleon Bonaparte, not my favorite theologian, but very interesting, he said this. A leader is a dealer in hope. He knew that if you're going to motivate anyone to do anything, you better have some serious hope. So, last point, how do you share hope? I really do believe it's possible. I do believe that you can offer your hope to someone else. So, just a couple tangible things. For those of you who love lists, here's your list. Are you ready? Four things. First of all, accepting others. There is just something so powerful about living out the command of Jesus where all of a sudden hope begins to spring forth because someone feels so cherished, so loved, and you're, you're reflecting the heart of the Father to them. Accepting others. Second one is appreciating others with gratitude. Thank you for doing that. I, I see you. I see your gifts. I see what you did for me. Thank you. It's really, it's so simple, it's crazy. We talked about Thanksgiving last week and gratitude. If you missed it, listen to last week. It's absolutely key for your walk with Jesus. Third is simply encouraging words. I got, I, I'm, I'm with you. You got this. I'm gonna walk with you every step of the way. I'm not leaving you. There is just something about knowing that someone is with you that you feel like you could do more. As a runner, I can tell you that I run much faster and much further when I run with others. And when I'm running by myself, I just start slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. There is a synergy and a power to community that God's created us for. Last is praying for and with others. Because when I pray in faith with you for whatever's going on in your, in your life, Chances are you walk away going, yeah, Jesus is going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be great. Okay. Woo. Here we go. And I know sometimes when you pray with me, that's how I feel. I feel like, man, I, I just am bringing my need and I'm bringing my need in part because I need to borrow some of your hope. I need some of your enthusiasm. I need some of your faith. I need to hear your words for how you bring me to the Father. And then when I do, I feel like I could, okay, I can do this. I can go through another day. I can, I can make it. I can make it through this trial. It's so simple. So today, you might be a hope dealer. You might be one that's constantly, this is like your life, and this is what you do, and you know the joy that springs from it. By the way, that joy is in that verse in Romans 2, by the way. There's that joy byproduct, which is great. But if you're a hope dealer, then 
You're carrying serious joy, which makes you really fun to be around and makes your life way better. And if you're in a place where you need hope, you need to do everything you can to get around those people. Invite yourself. Hi, here I am. Will you pray for me, please? Can we have coffee? Can we have lunch? Hope is what gets you through difficult days. It's what makes you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's what reminds you that this world is not our home. If you're a Jesus follower, we are aliens and we do not belong to this world. Therefore, we are not to love the world or the things in the world. But someday we will be home. So as we move toward Christmas, many of you need a gift of hope. Many of you need someone who's a hope dealer to help you realize that God is with you, that these things are still true about God, that he's still coming through, whether it's in finances that are difficult, relationships that are broken, a job situation that is sketchy, or dreams that seem broken. God is the one who comes through. And yet, our prayers aren't like a vending machine where we put some, if we put enough prayers in, then we get exactly what we want. Prayer is a, a place of finding that place to put down your roots of faith and believe God and believe God and then let the hope spring forward. So if you'd stand, I, I wanna invite our prayer team to come forward. And if you need a gift of hope this morning, you need to stop by the front and get, receive some prayer. And... Um, if you're a mama or a papa or another person on our prayer team, we could really use you this morning because I have a feeling there's going to be more folks needing prayer than normal, whatever normal. Normal is the setting on your dryer. We don't even know what that is. If you're looking for normal, you're not going to find it. I'm not normal. I don't want to be normal. <laughs> Jesus in the midst of hard days, moments where my heart is breaking, the truth is I can still hold on to great hope because I hang on to you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would not lose you in the midst of this season, that we would carry such hope for others, we would have such words of faith in our prayers with and for others, that it would literally set people ablaze with love for you, with trust in you, with new hope in you because you're the source of our hope. And so as we move forward day after day, remind us that this world is not our home, that even though there are some things that will not be solved this side of heaven, you're never gonna leave us. You're never gonna forsake us. You're always gonna give us what we need. You're always gonna provide all the love, all the, all the strength, all the hope that we need. And so we, we come to you and ready ourselves to receive in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're here in the house, prayer team is down front. I just wanna make sure that you avail yourself of them. And uh, if you're on the stream, we would love to pray for you as well. Send us some, a note in the chat send us an email, and otherwise, we'll see you next week.